as a program, I think, you know, I, I talked about it when I got here. I want, I want a team that can compete for championships on a consistent basis. You know, and to do that, you're going to have to go, you're going to compete for championships, you're going to have to beat Alabama. As, as everybody said last year, what's the margin? Last year it was six points, this year it was two, you know, and hopefully we get one more shot at them. Uh, they've got like 105 star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. Damn. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they're more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm gonna figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're gonna boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, don't, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know, you know, we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't. Potential is the worst thing you can have. Because that means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That means that means I'm not coaching right, and they're not playing right. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this episode, but don't worry, got a terrific show lined up, loaded with content. We have so many games to preview. Couldn't even get to them all, saving the uh, Tennessee, Florida for the next episode when Cousin Shane joins the show. But uh, that's not even on my top two lists of games I want to break down. So we'll get into that. But uh, before we get to the news around the SEC, just like we always do on the Tuesday show, want to break down the kickoffs that were just announced by the SEC here on Monday. And this is, uh, of course, we're in week four, but uh, the SEC announces the schedule a couple weeks ahead. Hey, and before we get rolling here, just want to mention the sponsors, Prize Picks. Head on over prizepicks.com and use that promo code SEC. It's a daily fantasy site that offers college football. I don't know any others that offer college football. We're having a ton of fun here on the show, partnering up with prize picks and making my picks. Hey, last week I actually nailed a couple of them. So <laughs> if you head on over, if you want to get in on the action, kind of play with uh, Shane and I here, head on over to prizepicks.com. And remember to use that promo code SEC. They'll match your initial deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, So that's pretty cool. So these kickoffs are for week five, the SEC schedule. That'll be Saturday, October 2nd. Looking a week ahead here. And we've got some good games here, really good games. But SEC really screwed the pooch, in my opinion, on a lot of these. So we'll get to that. And, and as always, we'd like to go just based on the kickoff times here. So Interesting game here in the SEC East could be a deciding one for both these teams. Tennessee goes on the road to Missouri. That's going to be a noon Eastern time, 11 o'clock Central kickoff on the SEC Network. So Tennessee, Missouri playing at noon. That's interesting. You know, certainly would have liked to have seen this game a little bit later. We'll get to that. And then here, mega showdown here, potentially Arkansas at Georgia because of the weird COVID schedule, these teams are facing each other in back-to-back seasons here. Another noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central game on ESPN. 
So Arkansas, Georgia going to follow college game day. But, I mean, just imagine. We're going to talk a lot to Arkansas, Texas A&M here in a minute. But if the Razorbacks win that game, if Georgia <laughs> wins on the road at Vanderbilt, I'll, <laughs> I will start laughing saying that. I mean, we have potentially a borderline top 10 showdown here on a noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kickoff. That seems like blasphemy. I don't know what in the hell ESPN, the SEC, were thinking on this one. Now, on the flip side, if you're a Razorback fan, may not be happy with the time. I think the noon kickoff, that's potentially a win. Now, Georgia, you know, you might, of course, if you got a top 10, top 15 team, you're not going to catch Georgia napping. But I'd much rather play the Bulldogs between the hedges here early kickoff than I would uh, certainly at, in the evening like uh, the Gamecocks just found out. I mean, that place turns into a damn buzzsaw at night with all their lasers and their lights and all that. So maybe a little bit of advantage here to Arkansas. Still scratching my head trying to figure out why in the hell uh, Arkansas, Georgia is at the noon Eastern time. But if I'm a Razorback, honestly, probably a little bit fired up about that. All right, the CBS game, the big game of the week here in the SEC. No surprise, Ole Miss at Alabama, potentially the game of the year. Of course, uh, Ole Miss is off this week, so they're going to go into this game undefeated as long as Alabama takes care of Southern Miss, and they're a 46-point favorite this week. (laughs) We're going to have a showdown of unbeatens here. Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, the showdown number two. That should be one hell of a matchup especially considering uh, some of the flaws. We'll get to that in here in a little bit of Alabama's defense and how red-hot Ole Miss's offense is. You know, makings of a potential upset special here on CBS, so cannot wait for that game. That was an easy selection. But then again here, we're getting into three, another 3.30 game. Troy at South Carolina, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on the SEC Network. That's probably the one I would have flipped with uh, Missouri-Tennessee. Not making a ton of sense there, but that'll be a great tailgating scene and game day experience for the Gamecocks to uh, whoop up on Troy in front of the home fans, so that'll be great. Now, this one, uh, there's two games here. Not officially determined yet what time they'll kick off and what station, and that's Florida at Kentucky and Mississippi State at Texas A&M. So the SEC is going to flex these two games. They're either going to start at 6 Eastern, 5 Central, or 7 Eastern, 6 Central on ESPN or the SEC Network. So those two, once again, Florida at Kentucky. What a hell of a game. That'll be Mississippi State at Texas A&M. Probably waiting to see how Mississippi State fares against LSU, how Texas A&M fares against Arkansas. And before we make that determination, and South Carolina – how Kentucky handles uh, South Carolina. So I think that uh, is why, you know, these games have yet to be finalized. But they're both going to be night games. And this will be one hell of a showdown, potentially for the SEC East. This could be for number two, at the very least, you know, for the runner-up position here in the SEC East between Florida and Kentucky. All of a sudden, that's looking like one hell of a game there in Lexington. I would imagine we're going to get a sellout crowd there from uh, Kentucky. They sure do love that rivalry with the uh, Florida Gators. Now here, (laughs) oh man, interesting. UConn at Vanderbilt, 730 Eastern, 630 Central on ESPNU. 
why in the world that's a night game, I will never know. Uh, over under on total fans, there's got to be around 500, maybe less. UConn, if you don't know, they fired their coach already. They look like the worst damn team in college football. So should be a nice, easy win there for Clark Lee and company. And then the night game. And when we say night, we ain't kidding. Auburn at LSU, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock Central on ESPN. I didn't know SEC games were allowed to kick off that late. But uh, the Auburn Tigers opening SEC game of the season going to be late as hell. Those uh, LSU Tigers will be good and liquored up for that one. So that will be one epic showdown there in the SEC West. And I cannot wait for that one. But all right, so enough of the kickoffs. Let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. You know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. Um, you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to, um, you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. You know, guys on the sidelines sitting there pouting. Um, you know, I, I can't stand that either. You know, sit there and pout on a sideline. Um, I, you know, because that's the ultimate and selfish. You know, well, the last play didn't go my way, so I feel so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody thinks, well, you're a tough person when you do that. Nobody thinks that. What they do is they point at you and laugh, and then they nudge their buddy and, hey, they see that guy for this team over there on the sideline, and 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 they, they you know, they'll use words like wimp, although they'll use other ones too that I think are even better words with regard to uh, describing what I'm witnessing at times. We see you as a tough, hard-nosed, boring football coach. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Who says that? I think Arkansas was an underdog in every game last year, and I know you guys don't worry I about I know that. we were, yes. All right, we're not going to do a full deep dive on Georgia Vanderbilt at this time. I'm going to wait for uh, Clark Lee, who speaks on Tuesday. But I did want to make this note, because it's an important one, George Pickens return to the practice field for the Bulldogs. Now, make no mistake, uh, from what I understand, he had a brace on and everything, and he's by no means is he a full go. I think he's only five months removed from having his ACL repaired. So just a really positive update there for Georgia's number one receiver, getting closer and closer to returning to the field. And I would imagine they are going to hold him back as as long as they can not going to rush him obviously he's too important uh, to the team he's too important for uh, his potential NFL future we all know George Pickens got an NFL future so you know I think uh, the earliest we'd see him would be the Florida game and that is probably even being a little optimistic but this is just a terrific sign we're getting George Pickens at least you know going to the practice field, from the training room to the practice field, even if it is at a limited capacity, that is a great news for Georgia, who by the end of the season, they may need George Pickens to help them make a SEC title chase run, a college football playoff type run. And by all indications, as long, you know, thank it, let's hope and pray there's no setbacks here. It looks like uh, George Pickens is doing everything he can to get back on the field here for the Georgia Bulldogs, and I'm here for it. All right, but next let's kick it on down to Tuscaloosa 
where Alabama, <laughs> damn near 50-point favorite here against Southern Miss. Going to be a whooping down there in T-Town. We all know that. But I really wanted to talk about Alabama, not because of the matchup, but, again, because of what Florida's offense did to them. I mean, they had to have known all day long that Florida was going to run the ball on them, and they couldn't stop it. I know Florida's got the number one rushing attack in the country, so, you know, let's not overreact here and say Alabama can't stop anybody. I mean, they just, they really struggled to stop the nation's best rushing team, but it's troubling because Florida didn't have much of a downfield passing. I mean, they virtually have no passing threat when it comes against these elite teams. Jacob Copeland, their number one receiver, had one catch for 10 yards in the game. Emory Jones, you know, he's a great runner. But uh, still a work in progress as a passer, and, and I thought that showed in the game. I mean, he had the game of his career, no doubt. I'm not saying they lost it because Emory Jones. I think they lost the game because Alabama went up 21-3, to and it was just too big of a hole to climb out of. But Florida damn near almost did it with that rushing attack. Uh, they had two guys get close to 100 yards rushing. And, you know, this, I think, is uh, great news for the rest of the SEC. Because I think it shows that uh, Alabama, maybe not everything it's cracked up to be. Now, again, we're not hitting the panic alert. Hell, Alabama's still number one in the country, still undefeated. They've got, uh, you know, seven SEC games remaining. They're going to be favored in all seven. Shocker. I mean, there's at no point is Alabama going to be an underdog this season. So, not saying uh, that uh, Alabama can't win the West. Certainly, that would be a ridiculous statement to make. But I think it just opens it up particularly with these teams with a running quarterback. Ole Miss, Matt Corral, he just scored four touchdowns. I know he's not uh, you know, the, the most mobile guy, but he can run around a little bit. We'll see if Hayes King for Texas A&M's back. If he is, you got to think uh, maybe he gets a run here against Alabama after what we saw Emory Jones do to him. Hendon Hooker, possibly for Tennessee. Bo Nix, I mean, go on and on and on. There's going to be a lot of versatile quarterbacks and a lot of teams that love to run the ball that Alabama has, still has to face as the season goes down here. And I don't know, I, I just think, just talking to a lot of people, this Alabama nearly losing on the road, looking mortal to Florida. The defense, they were hyping up this defense as it was going to be the greatest defense under Nick Saban. Combine that with uh, this new age offense they got, this machine is just getting stronger. And Hey, I tried to warn everybody, Georgia, Texas A&M, I thought they were better defenses, and I think that's played out to this point. So uh, let's kick it over to Nick Saban, who talks about uh, his team's issues defensively and really struggling to stop uh, the speed option there of the Florida Gators. Yeah, when you went back to look at the film, did you see any consistent or schematic issues that, with the defense that led to the issues in the final you know, three quarters of the game? Well, we, we didn't execute. Um, I think maybe – there was, you know, one time where we had a pressure on that they ran a speed option or something, and you know we didn't have enough guys there. But uh, it really came down to executing. It really came down to, um, you know, players. They did some different things, but you know you got to adapt to those things and play things on principle. And uh, at times we didn't do that very well, and we weren't very aggressive. We didn't get off the field on third down, especially in the second half. We had opportunities to get off the field on third down, and did not do it. On uh, 99-yard drive, we had several opportunities to get off the field. Uh, we had a third and 
what, 19 and didn't get off the field. Um, so those are plays that you have to make in a game. Uh, so that, that's something that we just need to continue to work on. Coach, um, you talked about how Florida ran a lot of different things, but how did you see, how, what did you think of Drew Sanders being able to attack some of those plays? Drew Sanders did okay in the game. Um, I think we, we all could have done a little bit better job of playing the option. Uh, we focused a lot on quarterback runs. Uh, we focused some on the option. Uh, I think there were times in the game where we, we didn't play the option correctly. Uh, so therefore, as coaches, you know, we're responsible for that. So we need to do a better job with all the players being able to do that and uh, I think have a better understanding of how to do that. So uh, that's definitely something we need to work on this, this week. We'll see some of those same things this week. I'm not trying to overreact here, but I just think all things considered, this gives the rest of the SEC hope that uh, Alabama and the Crimson Tide can be beaten and – Again, had Florida not gotten in that big hole, which we got to give Alabama all the credit in the world for being the machine they are and just starting that game out like gangbusters. But if not for that, <laughs> I mean, it seemed it certainly seemed like Florida kind of figured them out there in the second half. So uh, what did they put on tape that the rest of the SEC is going to utilize? Ole Miss got two weeks to focus on it. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. All right, the game of the week in the SEC. Let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Whoopee. Where Arkansas and Texas A&M going to meet in Arlington once again. Arkansas leads the all-time series here 41-33 to with three ties. But Texas A&M has won nine in a row in the series. That's an all-time high for the Aggies. And it matches the longest win streak in the series. Arkansas had nine wins. Uh, from 1958 to 1966. So, hey, records on the line here in Arlington this week. And, you know, I mean, I honestly, at this point, I could see either team winning this game. It would not be a shocker either way. Both teams, very physical at the line of scrimmage. I think Arkansas's got the advantage there, though. Uh, based on what we've seen leading up to this point, Texas A&M still a work in progress on that offensive line. And how is that? I think last year you'd say Arkansas didn't have the defensive line to take advantage of that. They, well, they certainly do now. With big John Ridgeway, he's in there just causing havoc with uh, Trey Williams and uh, – Martel Usi, the uh, transfers from Missouri. I mean, Arkansas just added to the beef they already had on that defensive line. We all know about uh, Arkansas's linebackers. This is going to be an old-school slobber knocker type game, and I think both defenses uh, will have the advantage here on this game. So uh, points may be at a pre premium here in Arlington, and I think this is for as big as uh, – for all the struggles that Arkansas has had in recent seasons before Sam Pittman came here, despite all that, for whatever reason, this Texas A&M series has been very, very tight. And I think this is going to be the best Arkansas team that uh, Texas A&M has potentially seen since they joined the SEC nine years ago, ten years ago, or whenever the hell it was. But, uh, you know, that's got to give me confidence if I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan that we're taking the best Razorback team in damn near a decade here down to Arlington to face a Texas A&M team that, hey, they deserve their uh, incredible hype, but at the same time, they have struggled at times this season. So 
You may be able to take advantage of them just like you did Texas. Hell, everybody and their mother was picking Texas to win in that game. Uh, and I think the vast majority of people were, will be picking Texas A&M to win this game. And I think the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks wouldn't have it any other way. So let's kick it next to uh, Sam Pittman, who talks uh, about what he's seen from Zach Calzada, who, if you watched uh, Texas A&M play here this season, really looked shaky there against Colorado until the fourth quarter. And he carried over that momentum into the game against New Mexico, looked very sharp. Uh, Sam Pittman kind of echoes those same sentiments. Uh, and on uh, Texas A&M's roster here, uh, assembled by Jimbo Fisher. They were struggling offensively in the Colorado game two weeks ago, and then Calzada came in and led them to the win. What did you see from him from that game to the next game, what they did with him? Well, he's playing with more confidence. He's more accurate with the ball. They're, they're protecting him better. Um, seemed like the routes are crisper. You know, they, uh, you know, I think he's got belief. The wide receiver's tight end has belief in him. You know, uh, you can kind of see it. Uh, however, I really liked New Mexico on defense. You know, they 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 flew around to the ball, played extremely hard, but uh, as well as Colorado. Um, but I think it's just that the second game, he he had a little more confidence. Looked like he was throwing the ball in rhythm a little bit better, and and uh, I think he's a fine quarterback. He wouldn't be at A and M if he wasn't. Sam, uh, what do you think of their defensive line? And just what do you think about, I guess, the talent that Jimbo's built up there just overall? Yeah, and they're continuing to do that, too. Jimbo's an elite recruiter, elite coach, um, very talented. They're a little bit like us in the fact that they can play a lot of people. You know, um, you want to stay out of third and long. They have nice third down package on defense, and they have some pass rushers they can get home, uh, which they've proven it this year. Um, so, you know, you're going to have, we're going to have to do a good job on first down, trying to stay out of third and long. And we have to have a really good package on third and long. If we're in it, we can't just go, well, we're not going to get in it. And then next thing you know, it's third and 10, we have to prepare to stay out of it. And then once we, if we get into third and long, we have to be able to convert and, and that's hard to do because they have a nice uh, third down package. All right. So with Sam Pittman's got a lot of respect for this Texas A&M team, and he should because this is – if Arkansas wins this game, they are going to have to earn it. This is uh, not going to be like it was against Texas where you just abused their line of scrimmage. I just don't think you're going to be able to do that. In particular, Texas A&M's defense, it's incredible. Uh, the Aggies are the only team in the country allowing less than 100 passing yards per game. And K.J. Jefferson, while he did have a hell of a game last week against Georgia Southern, uh, you know it'll be imperative that he does that once again if uh, the Arkansas is going to find success against A&M because they are, they've got some lockdown corners. And more importantly, that front seven is just – they're incredible. So running lanes might be tough. Of course, you've got a damn sledgehammer of a quarterback. You've got a very deep and talented backfield to go with uh, one hell of an offensive line that continues to get better and better under Sam Pittman. So, man, I these matchups are tremendous, and I just cannot wait for it. Only problem, in my opinion, and, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but after Texas A&M got to host Arkansas last year, really a damn shame that uh, Arkansas didn't get to turn around and host 
Texas A&M in Fayetteville. That's the way it should be, and that's the same sentiment echoed here by Sam Pittman on Monday. Um, hey, Sam, obviously you guys had to go to A&M last year. Now it's back at a neutral site. Um, how do you feel about that? And I know there's obviously still years left on the contract. Jerry Jones obviously is a huge booster and it means a lot to this program. How do you feel about having to go to A&M and then you don't get them in faith? Yeah, I don't. I don't feel great about it, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I get the situation, you know, I understand last year. Um, but, you know, I, going over there and then going neutral, you know, to me, go over there. And we, but we're in a contract. I understand that, you know, if you really look at our situation over the next five games, uh, we have three home games. And we play in this stadium once, you know, in the next five games. And, uh, you know, I believe that if we're in this stadium, we're hard to beat because of our fans. And uh, so, listen, everybody else thinks, oh, Coach throwing out excuses. No, I'm not. We ain't played a game yet. I feel very confident we can go in and play well at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I do. But would I rather have them in here? Yes. So we all get why this game has to be played at Arlington. There's a contract, Jerry Jones connection, all that. You certainly don't want to piss off the biggest booster to the program. But uh, I think Sam Pittman is counting down the days for this contract to end. Uh, I'm ready to see this thing go back to home and home. And at this point, I just don't see the purpose that it serves going down to Arlington, particularly if you look at a year like this where Arkansas has got uh, so few home games in conference play, it uh, it really could potentially really set you back. Uh, Arkansas, if they didn't have such a strong team, they may have to pay the price for this wonky scheduling. All right, but on the other side, let's kick it on down to College Station. Kick them, Aggies. Where the Aggies, yes, they're undefeated. They look fantastic. But, man, Jimbo, after a 34 34- to zero win over New Mexico, what he say? We're average right now. We are not where we need to be, and I would tend to agree with him, particularly on the offensive line. That's kind of the biggest glaring weakness, and I think that's in part why Hayden's King won the starting job because he's so mobile. And when you're playing against uh, with an offensive line that uh, is still getting still getting their, its continuity together, you may need that more mobile option. Now that. That's taken off the table. Zach Calzada, while he can run a little bit, certainly more of a pocket-style passer, and I think uh, Arkansas could try to take advantage of that this week with their outstanding linebackers and their improving defensive line. So that is going to be a critical matchup to this game. Got to get to Zach Calzada. Colorado was able to do it, and he was running for his life. New Mexico even had success getting to Zach Calzada last week. So you got to believe that uh, Arkansas Barry Odom is going to scheme up some ways to get pressure on a young, inexperienced quarterback that still is – this will only be his second career start there at Texas A&M. And while he's looked very sharp against New Mexico, obviously a different challenge here against Arkansas. And that is something that uh, Jimbo Fisher hit on here on Monday. Coach Slocum used to tell us around here, the offensive line, maybe more so than any unit on a team, really could stand a red shirt, get seasoning experience. Oh, Lord. I think you saw that with your triple red last shirt. year. <laughs> right. So my point is, how do you remedy, remedy that in this day and age when you don't really have all those? You just got to keep playing, and, and, and we do good on good during the week. 
See, that's one of the reasons why I practice good on good during the week. We do good on good inside, good on good team, good on good seven on seven. So we're, not, we're going against our own number ones on the other side. So we get that two to three days a week where we're getting good on good, and they got to block good people. It's not just blocking scout team guys or looks. So they have to really focus, and we work fundamentals to death. We're, we pound them on the fundamental part of it, and we work good on good all, all the time, two to three days a week in our practices. And I, and I truly believe allows us to get better because you're having to block really good people during the week as not only on the weekends. That keeps the speed of the game for you, and it's a nasty and also can give you confidence when you start blocking those guys and doing those things. And you know, hopefully we'll get a couple guys healthy and get them back on the field too can help. Uh, I think you used the word nasty that you wanted to see from your guys. Yeah. Is that a – yeah, you, I mean, you gotta like to be physical. You gotta be. You, I mean, not cheap or cheap, but you gotta. You gotta be physical in this game. You gotta be nasty. You gotta. You gotta like it. I guess what I'm asking you is, you have nasty guys, or do you? Even yeah, know we do. That? They are nasty, and they play that way, and we coach them that way, and, and in a good way, because this game is a physical game, and you have to. You know, football is a game of imposing your will. It's imposing your will on, on those lines of scrimmage, and I think that's what Arkansas is doing a great job of, and we're gonna have to do it going into this game. That's for sure. But it wasn't only the off his own offensive line that. Uh, Jimbo was concerned about he's looking at the same things we are talking about KJ Jefferson and just uh you know the the challenges of defending a quarterback that can run and throw as well as Arkansas's quarterback can and you know he's getting some comparisons here to Cam Newton already hell it only took two or three weeks remember start out the season people wanted his ass bench now we're calling him Cam Newton so it's amazing what can happen if you give a quarterback a couple weeks to get in a rhythm here. But uh, K.J. Jefferson certainly coming in on his own. And, uh, you know, like I said, while this may be the best Arkansas team that Texas A&M's ever faced since they've come into the SEC, yet Jimbo is wise to point out the fact that, hell, even these uh, other, if you want to call them weaker Arkansas teams, they gave – Texas A&M a run for their money. So just imagine what uh, this Arkansas team that's playing so well fits uh, the mentality of their coach. And, you know, like Jimbo said here, we need some physicality. Well, they don't need – I don't know if they can handle any more physicality there in Fayetteville. They got the water boy at linebacker. They got Grant Morgan, the All-American. Jalen Catalan will take your damn head off. If, you don't, if you're not careful, Arkansas is, is as physical as they come. And I think Jimbo is sitting here challenging his team, saying if you do not uh, raise your physicality here in this matchup, you are going to lose to the Arkansas Razorbacks. So uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo one more time, who hypes up uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Jimbo, do you think uh, this Arkansas team is the toughest that you'll have faced since you've gotten here? And just what makes them, I guess, different this year? Well, I'm going to say this. I think they're playing very well. I mean, I mean – We've, we've had some battles on some teams they've had. <laughs> there have been some great games up there all come down the wires. They've all been very tough, in my opinion. I think I think this game's a rivalry game, and they, they do a great job of getting up for it, and they play very hard in it. But this team is playing very well. Their team is very talented. Their team is very v- seasoned. I mean, very seasoned. And, and, and their players and their coach very well, and they're playing very well. And, it, and I'm going to say, we're definitely going to have our hands full. We're going to have to play a great football game. There's no doubt. They're number 16 for a reason. I think that's what they are, if I'm not mistaken, right? Coach, 
Leon said that there was a lot of Cam Newton to KJ Jefferson's game and overall and what he sees. What have you seen on the film from him, and what have you seen from him as the ability to run and also with the deep ball? Well, I mean, he gets the ball down the field huge. They run the football so well, so their play-action game's so good. Receivers are big and physical. He can drive it down the field. He's 245 pounds. He's 6'3", 6'4". I mean, I'm, I'm not sure exactly – that regard, but I mean, tall, athletic, can run and strong. Has that body? Well, you just just because you hit him doesn't mean he goes down. And uh, I mean, he's going to be a, he's going to be a heck of a challenge. There's no doubt. All right, but that's uh, not the only really big matchup here in the SEC West that we have this weekend because LSU going on the road to Mississippi State. My honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. And I know both these teams have already suffered a loss, but neither one has lost in the SEC. So they still got everything in front of them, uh, particularly LSU after whipping the hell out of Central Michigan. They look like they're finally coming together, whereas Mississippi State coming off a terrible loss there to Memphis. But you could certainly make the case that one was stolen from you. And we all remember last year Mississippi State owned LSU, so there's got to be confidence uh, on the Bulldog side that they can do that again. They're going to be playing at home with the Cowbells. It's one hell of a tough environment uh, for any team to come in there. I'm serious. LSU leads 75-36-3. But interestingly, Mississippi State's won more in Baton Rouge 20 times than they have in Starkville in this game. Uh, LSU's record is 16-7-1 in Starkville. So, I mean, that's that's such a wild stat. I mean, Mississippi State wins far more often in Baton Rouge. I don't know what that says about uh, this upcoming game here, but, uh, you know, is, this is going to be a test. This is going to be an opportunity for LSU to turn around this season and correct the wrongs of last season. So much uh, after winning the national championship, so much promise, so much hype. Hell, I had LSU fans tell me they were going to repeat. Of course, that didn't happen, and we knew right away it wasn't going to happen because LSU went into their house and embarrassed them. So there's a lot of pride on the line here for LSU, and unfortunately, they're going to have to do it without defensive lineman Andre Anthony. He is out for the season. He got hurt against Central Michigan. That's something that Coach O hits on, as well as uh, you know just being embarrassed by the Bulldogs last season and honestly have no margin for error the rest of the season. I think worried about Andre Anthony after the yeah. game. What's his status now? Yeah, I just had a conversation with him. And let me say this about Andre Anthony. What an outstanding Tiger. What an outstanding leader. Uh, I've coached Andre. Andre has been with me since the beginning here. Uh, we have, I absolutely love him. He has a season in an injury. We just discussed it. But uh, it, it, it's sad news. It really is because he's having a good season. Uh, he's going to be unavailable this season, and uh, but he's going to be with us. Uh, he's going to deal with it, and what the next step is for him, we're going to find out. Um, obviously, just because of the nature of Mississippi State's offense, you know they're they're going to put as many receivers out there as they possibly can. Uh, I'm just curious as to what the defensive approach might change. I mean, do you the guys envision maybe dropping some more guys back to kind of help with the passing game coverage, or how, how do you kind of envision that going this week? Well, that's something I can't tell you, Glenn. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's something you know we have a plan. We've been looking at uh, Mississippi State ever since we couldn't stop them last year. And it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed as a coach, and I take full responsibility. So, yes, we have some plans to do some different things, but uh, obviously I can't tell you. Um, how much 
is this game, or at least do you think is on the mind of the players who played in that game a year ago, specifically on defense? Sure. Uh, a bit of a revenge game for them. Well, you know, I don't know about a revenge game, but they, they, we have our antennas up. We know how good they are. And we know when we got in the game, but we weren't expecting to, to get bur we got burnt. I mean, we, we just couldn't cover, and uh, we just didn't have the answers. So hopefully this year we do have the answers. I don't think it was our players' fault at all. They just weren't in good position. They were confused. Uh, hopefully we fix that. And uh, I think Jay Ward's going to play. We'll have to see how the week goes, but we need him. And uh, hopefully hopefully he plays this week. We're going to need him. How critical is it in this league to win that first game and get off to a good start? Yeah, it's very critical. And, uh, you know, we, we have no room for error. And I knew that going into the last game, and it's the, it's the same this game. And uh, we're going on the road. We're playing our first SEC game. And uh, do I believe we solved most of those problems? Yes, I do believe we have different answers. We have different defenses. Uh, but you know what? We didn't answer the first challenge. Uh, the first challenge against UCLA, we didn't play very good. And uh, we've, we've gotten a little bit better. But there's a lot of things that we have to continue to fix, and we are, we are going to be challenged this Saturday. So you can hear from Coach O. I mean, he certainly seems to know that, uh, you know, the LSU brass down there, they are not willing to accept another loss to Mississippi State. They feel like they should beat Mississippi State every year. You lose to Mississippi State two in a row, you might as well start packing your bags if you're Coach O. I mean, that would be the, the SEC grind that's upcoming here for the Tigers. Uh, we've got Auburn. We've got Ole Miss. We've got A&M. We've got Alabama. Uh, no disrespect to Mississippi State, but if LSU cannot beat the Bulldogs, you're probably not beating any of those teams. So uh, this could really be the start of a tremendous slide for LSU, and that's why I think they've got so much on the line. Compound that with uh, the, the mistakes of last season. And Coach O and company, if they can't get locked in for this damn game, they're not going to get locked in for any of them. And that's what needs to happen. Go on the road, take care of business, and beat you Mississippi State Bulldogs for the first time under Mike Leach. So kick it down to the other side of this one, Mississippi State. Again, a lot on the line for the Bulldogs. You really got to get that uh, bad taste out of your mouth from that Memphis debacle, and you have an opportunity by facing an LSU team that you handled last season. And the passing game in spurts has come together, other times very inconsistent. Uh, but that's one thing that we're still seeing from this LSU defense under Duranta Jones. I know he's only been there a couple games, but they have proven that, uh, hey, you can get this team too for some bust. So, you know, just stick to your game plan, do what you did, and see what wrinkles LSU's got for you. Uh, we'll get to Mike Leach here in a second, but he clearly thinks that uh, the new coaching staff, a little bit of a shade here, I feel like, towards Bo Pelini, but he was asked about last year's game and, and the fact that LSU's got an entirely new staff here. But, hey, same things I said about LSU, you could say against about Mississippi State. I mean, if you cannot beat LSU, who's struggling right now, who about a week or two ago looked like the worst team in the West, how in the hell are you going to beat Ole Miss? How are you going to beat Arkansas, Alabama, A&M? I mean, you have got to start off SEC play right. Otherwise, you're looking at a two-game losing streak with the much difficult, with potentially much more difficult games on your schedule here in the SEC. So a lot of weight on this game for Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs to prove that your system works. And hell, 
you know, it's been very inconsistent basically ever since the LSU game of last year. So if you can, if you can't get it going against this team that you decimated last season, how in the hell are you going to get it going for the rest of the SEC slate? Uh, and that's something that uh, Mike Leach gets asked about here. The lack of a downfield passing, once again, that that's a, seems like a weekly question that Coach Leach has to address. Uh, but they do got Makai Polk, the transfer from, I believe, from Cal, who's tearing it up now. He had uh, double-digit catches last game. He looks like Mississippi State's potentially their best receiver now. And on uh, LSU's new coaching staff. So this comment here, this is the part where I was saying it kind of sounded like he showed – throwing a little shade towards Bo Pelini. Uh, Coach Leach probably wishes old Bo was still in Baton Rouge. Later in the ballgame, Will connected on some some longer throws, some deeper throws, and uh, really kind of showed some arm strength there. Is that a product of, of the defensive coverage they're playing at the time, or was it a matter of urgency? How, how would you kind of explain how he was able to do that later in the ballgame, maybe perhaps earlier not so much? I think we I think we had some opportunities earlier. I do think the, the, the opponent's conscious of that, you know, and tries to cover – the deep stuff because they were playing a lot of uh, uh, cloud coverage and things like that. Um, so it's not like they just give it to you, but I do think we have uh, other opportunities, maybe not beyond them, but uh, uh, you know, underneath because there's a lot of space in there that we need to attack. And then, you know, and he, you know, he put it in play. I mean, did quite an impressive job of putting it in play. A lot of quarterbacks would like to have the day that he had statistically you know um right now we're good at uh, we're right now we're only good at statistics you know um but statistically they'd like to have a day like him so but the you know the thing is is there's just more to be had there and we got to attack and get it you know and some of it uh, comes with the receivers and the linemen as well you know everybody together Makai Polk made some big plays for your offense uh, this past weekend. Just what what is it like to have a, a dynamic player like that to kind of run that air raid system? He does a good job. We recruited him at Washington State. You know, we just didn't get him. Um, and then he recruited us here at uh, Mississippi State. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, we said, well, we catch a lot more balls at Washington State. And then, uh, then we go to Mississippi State, and he goes, he goes, yeah, I want to catch a lot more balls. And, and so anyway, so he came here, so it was a good deal. Um, but I, we, he just needs to finish, the, you know, be a guy that finishes plays. We, you know, he's got to play through fatigue a little bit. He is dynamic, and he does play the ball in the air well, and he's, uh, and he's a skilled guy. And I think he's really done quite a lot as far as, uh, you know, not uh, – and, and not directly, but just put good stuff on film that we can uh, uh, use to illustrate as example for our other players. Uh, Coach Orgeron talked a little bit today during his press conference about being embarrassed by last year's game and, and the numbers you guys were able to put up against them. I mean, when you reflect on last year, how much of that do you kind of use uh, as you prepare for this week? Well, not a lot because they've changed uh, a lot of coaches over there, so it's pretty tough, you know. Um, you know, there's really not much uh, – crossover at least as far as uh you know the the personnel uh that's calling it and their coaches so you know and i think ed's more involved is what i heard i don't know that for sure but uh uh so anyway we we're taking what we got 
I don't think enough can be made about just how important this game is for both of these programs. And it's fascinating that uh, they they both need to right the ship and start SEC playoff against each other. Uh, basically, they can ruin each other's seasons here. And that's what a rivalry is all about. That's what SEC football's all about. LSU, Mississippi State, so much on the line this Saturday. Don't don't be fooled by the fact these teams lost. Uh, this could be a season-defining game for both teams. If it goes wrong, it's probably going to start a downward slide for the rest of the season. If you win, maybe that's the start of uh, turning things around and going into conference play with uh, an undefeated record, and maybe it just gives you that momentum that uh, you need to carry over to the rest of the season. So, again, cannot wait for this matchup. It's going to be one hell of a good one here in Starkville. And last uh, thing, I, got, I do have one more for Mike Leach. I thought he left. He gave us another gem here. He was asked about social media, and uh, I think this is uh, an answer just about every coach in college, high school, maybe even the NFL. Uh, <laughs> their thoughts probably echo Coach Alicia's here on social media. You know, it's going to be right in front of their face all the time. Uh, I told them to t- I tell them to ignore it. I, yeah, and I don't think that that uh, <clears throat> that effort is uh, is is particularly effective. You know, uh, hopefully it reduces some, but uh, you know, I think uh, <clears throat> one day somebody's going to figure out how to eliminate social media from their team, and. Uh, and they're going to have a remarkably good team, and everybody's going to be amazed and wonder how it happened. All right, so how great was that? (laughs) And, you know, I can't argue with anything he just said right there, I'll tell you that. Uh, But, hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. Cousin Shane will be back for the next episode. I really appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app and send that on over to us at uh, gmail, thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll hook you up with a beer koozie free of charge just for that review. Uh, But that's going to do it on this episode. Catch you on the next one.